Well, good morning. Gonna rearrange the furniture here a little bit. Okay. Um, good to be with you this morning. Hey, again, I just want to say welcome back, college students. It's really good to have you here. Really good to have the students. If you're sitting somewhere else, that's great. We celebrate the fact that students sit other places, but for some reason, they normally sit here. So this is the reason why we look at this section. Um, um, many of you probably already know about this, but uh, if you don't, Beverly and I were opening up our home this afternoon for a pizza party at 5 o'clock. If you're a college student, you are welcome. Please come. We live in the village. And um, would you guys put up your hand if you know how to help somebody fill out that form? So if you have not filled out the form yet for the pizza party, see one of those people, and they'll help you out. And then we'll make sure that we've got not only pizza slice for you, but the right kind of pizza slice for you. So that's important. So in any event, I just wanted to put that plug in. Um, I serve as both a pastor here at New Hope, but also full-time with University Christian Fellowship. So I was sneaking that in. Uh, but before I served as uh, in either of those capacities, I was a high school student and um, I was in the senior play, and I got a lead role in that senior um, play, musical. It's the musical's Bye Bye Birdie. Some of you know this story. Uh, and I was Conrad Birdie. I think that we've got the infamous photo that we're getting. Oh, there it is, right there. Yeah, Who's that good-looking guy right there? Yeah. Who is that? So where did he go? Okay. So I was Bye Bye Birdie, which meant that I got to sing songs, I got to uh, dance on stage, believe it or not. And uh, this was before I was a Christian, uh, and I, I had a level of pride, because I was pretty good at what I did. And so I had some issues. And... Um, so uh, the first night, which was, I think, Thursday night, um, one of the songs I did was called um, One Last Kiss. Anybody familiar with it? A One Last Kiss? So, um, it, but I was a tenor, and it started like on a low A or something, or a G. Or, but it was a note that I had a hard time hitting strong because it was below my range. So I needed the microphone. I needed all the help I could get. So, um, and I started out, oh, one last kiss. You know, it's an Elvis Presley kind of a character. And I started into my routine, but I realized that my microphone wasn't on. And uh, so throughout my whole solo, I sang this holding a microphone that wasn't hot. And, and I was so angry. Um, because my moment to shine, you know, I had friends that were there, my family was there, and I had people that I wanted to impress, and, um, and they couldn't hear me, and I was so upset. So after the performance, I went to the sound guys, and I laid into them. It's just like, what on earth? You only have one thing to do, push a button. Why couldn't you do that? And uh, I was not nice. So um, they were apologetic and said it'll never happen again. So the next night, uh, I get uh, to we get to that 
part and one, uh, one last kiss. And I start out and the microphone's working great. Thank you. And so I'm doing my thing. I'm moving. I'm dancing. I'm singing. It's going so well until somehow I accidentally stepped on the cord and I detached the microphone from, yeah, right. So I then was singing the rest of the song without a hot mic. And whose fault was it? Yeah. So, um, so I was friends with a person at the time who had far more faith in God than me. I wasn't really, I didn't have any faith in God at that point. And she said, um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that somehow this last night things go, you know, flawlessly. I said, whatever, thank you. So, um, so the next night, Saturday night, everything went perfect. And it was amazing. And I felt like the rock star I had wanted to be. <clears throat> and, then she, uh, and then she said um, to me afterwards, God answers prayers. And, like, I wanted to refute that, but I couldn't in that moment. And I thought about it, um, and, um, and I reached the conclusion that I think God does answer prayer. And that's how I ended up later, several weeks later, then giving my life to Christ and becoming a Christ follower. It's because I saw God answer prayer. Some of you just heard that story and you're thinking, yeah, God heard that girl's prayer and answered it. And it was like a miracle that that happened. And some of you, like me at that time, are maybe thinking, that was good luck. Or that's a coincidence that that happened. So was it a coincidence? Was it a miracle? Uh, we all get to sort of decide um, ourselves. Uh, there's a well-respected English Anglican priest. Uh, his name was William Temple. Some of you might know him. He went on to serve as the Archbishop of Canterbury. He's a person whose writings I'm not particularly familiar with, but I'm very intrigued, and I think I'm going to spend some time learning more about uh, what he what he wrote. But he replied to his critics, he was a man of prayer, he replied to his critics who regarded answer prayer as no more than coincidences this way. He said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. I like this guy. <laughs> I'm going to spend more time uh, becoming familiar with the writings of William Temple. You might want to also. Some people still think that answered prayers and so-called miracles are nothing more than coincidences. Though some of these people um, have to admit that some of these coincidences are quite spectacular. And um, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when doctors look again and they say, it's gone. Where did that go? I have no explanation. That was a spectacular coincidence. So we're talking today about does God perform miracles today? 
here's the reason why. Uh, when Aaron and I, we re- reflected back on uh, some recent sermons here uh, that have been given this during the month of August especially. Uh, thanks to Bill Scott back there. Bill, uh, great job. Harvey Smith uh, spoke. Uh, Dave Coles uh, last week. Aaron had uh, spoken also in this time. And what we noticed as we were reflecting on these messages, they weren't coordinated. They didn't talk to each other. But this idea of miracles kept popping up. I don't know if you noticed it. Aaron and I noticed it. We paid attention. We were noticing it. And from this, as we are praying about what to, what to address today, uh, we began to wonder if perhaps God was wanting to speak to us as a body. And maybe God was speaking to us as a body about miracles and that we needed to pay attention to this. If you've never witnessed a miracle, uh, this may be your lucky day. Because I'm actually planning on preaching a short message There you go. Yep. Hallelujah. <laughs> We're rejoicing now. Uh, if you don't know why they're clapping, um, I can go long. Um, yeah. Uh, so all joking aside, because I don't know if that really qualifies as a miracle. You can decide. Um, but the reason why I'm planning on preaching a shorter message, although it's going longer than I expected already, is because I'm actually hoping to uh, open the floor for you to share stories of ways that you've seen God do something miraculous. Yeah, so that would be really cool. So there you go. You've been warned. You, you've been invited, and you can be thinking and praying about what is it you might want to share with us? Everybody, it's an all play. <laughs> so uh, we're discussing miracles today because this topic kept coming up in recent sermons. And when God speaks, we don't want to change the subject. So for some of us, we need to be reminded in God's ability to do far more than we can ever ask or even imagine. Some of us need to be reminded of this quite frequently, actually. The Apostle Paul reminded of this in his letter to the church in Ephesus. And we frequently end a service with this passage. Now to him, uh, to Jesus Christ, who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask uh, or imagine, according to his power that to work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. And admittedly, speaking on this topic can be difficult. Because sometimes we pray for a miracle, but we don't see anything happen. And I know that some of you have been praying for a miracle for a very long time. Um, We're with you. Beverly and I are with you. We also have been praying for miracles for a long time. We've been praying for our own children to return to the Lord for a very long time. We're praying for that miracle. Um, We're praying for miracles of healing. So many of you know I'm diabetic. I'm still a diabetic. Been praying for healing for that. 
Um, some of you know that Beverly has, a, has had a very difficult time walking. She still cannot walk well. And we're praying for a miracle there. But not speaking on the power of God to do miracles, or worse yet, to stop praying for miracles, makes, I think, about as much sense as a professional baseball player refusing to go to bat because they don't often hit the ball out of the park. So if baseball players don't swing, they're never going to hit the ball. Because of a general disbelief in God or a specific disbelief in God's ability to perform miracles, Christianity can easily be reduced to a religion that promotes nothing more than good morals and civic duty. This is the religion which is peddled to so many churches. And it's the natural digression of any church that does not believe in the power of God and the word of God to transform people that have been made in his image. Is that right? Most people today, I don't think, own a Jefferson Bible. Does anybody here have a Jefferson Bible? Right. I think that most people today don't have a Jefferson Bible, but lots of us might be tempted to treat our Bible like a Jefferson Bible. Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States of America, some of you know he created his own version of the New Testament that focused only on Jesus, but it excluded all of his miracles. So he literally cut the Bible uh, and taking out lots of scenes um, like Jesus' uh, resurrection and his ascension cut from Jefferson's Bible. Um, his miracles like turning water into wine cut from Jefferson's Bible. What remained in his Bible, his version of the Bible, was a Jesus who had exceptionally good morals and teachings. Because that's what Jefferson believed Jesus was all about. Gone were Jesus' miracles and his ability to do supernatural work through God. Pastor Craig Groeschel, some of you know about him. He wrote a book about uh, religious people like Jefferson. He wrote this book in 2011, and it's called The Christian Atheist. Believing in God, but, li but living as if he doesn't exist. As Christian believers, not Christian atheists, we want to be careful to not let our Christian experience define our Christian faith. If you've been praying for a miracle for any length of time, but it hasn't happened yet, it might be tempting to give up asking for it, or even, in some cases, that we've seen to even give up on God altogether. It's not uncommon for Christians to ask God's ability to, it's, it's, it's not uncommon 
for Christians to question God's ability to perform a miracle that is until they see one and then everything changes forever. You may have uh, heard about another Thomas. This Thomas, he's mentioned in the Bible and he's one of Jesus's earliest disciples. But after Jesus's death on the Roman cross, he could not believe that Jesus had actually risen from the dead. He said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe, Thomas said. A week later, his disciples were in the house and Thomas was with them. Um, We're told the door was locked. Jesus came and came through the locked door, stood among them, and he said, Uh, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's our invitation. Our faith is not defined by our experience or our lack of experience, but by the one in whom we put our faith, Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do when he walked on earth? In Matthew 4.23, Matthew sums it up saying he went about teaching And uh, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. That's a great summary of Jesus' ministry. And this is exactly what Jesus did in his earthly ministry. He then gave his instructions to his followers among those um, are we. And he said, heal the sick and say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick. Jesus performed miracles and then he instructed his disciples to perform miracles. So we pray for miracles. We pray for miracles. Not because they always happen when we pray, but in response to our faith and in obedience to God. We pray for miracles because we believe in the power of God to do far beyond what we can ever ask or imagine. Ball players go to bat knowing that they might strike out or they might get on base or they might hit a home run, but they also know that if they don't swing the bat, they're never going to hit the ball. But why does God allow strikeouts? Why does God sometimes not perform miracles when we want him to? Why does God let some people experience a miracle, but not others? These are difficult questions. They're questions that are natural to ask, and they're good questions. They're they're very legitimate questions. And they're questions to which there are a lot of cliche answers. I'm going to try to avoid giving cliche answers just by making a few short points before inviting you up. Uh, First 
point is that these are all obvious. Because a miracle is a divine act of God. So he alone determines when and how they happen, and sometimes their absence will remain a mystery. We'll never know why. And that's difficult, I understand. Though faith is required to pray for a miracle, faith does not guarantee one. Few have had the faith of the Apostle Paul, and yet throughout his life, he experienced more hardship than most of us ever will. He also knew what it was like to pray for a miracle and not get it. In 2 Corinthians, he said that he prayed repeatedly for a miracle, but it never came. This is the Apostle Paul. When we pray for a miracle, this is my third point, when we pray for a miracle, sometimes the answer is yes, and we rejoice. Sometimes the answer is no, and sometimes the answer is not now. When the answer is yes, we're thrilled. What can we say? We're speechless oftentimes. We're down on our knees. Tremendous gratitude for the gift of the miracle. When the answer is not yet, we can still rejoice because we can trust in God's perfect timing and in his will. And even when the answer is no, we can still rejoice, believing that our good father has something even better in store for us. The Apostle Paul It's said that he pleaded with the Lord for his miracle repeatedly, but God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul was then able to write that even without receiving a miracle, he would boast all the more gladly about his weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on him. And this is why he was able to say, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties, even in not seeing miracles. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So God didn't perform a miracle in this case for Paul because he had something better planned for him and for others through him. This is difficult, but it's a helpful um, perspective. Because we don't know the future, believing that God has something better for us later when we can't get what we really want now is admittedly difficult. I know this personally, and it's one of the reasons why I'm drawn to perspectives like that which was expressed by a man who had a very rare and incurable disease. And he said this, He said, I have already received the greatest gift from God, which is eternal life. If I get healed, that will simply be a bonus. I like that perspective. So before inviting you to share, I told you I can go long. Um, I want to acknowledge As I wrap up, I want to acknowledge that there are many reasons people look to God for a miracle. And I think that they're all 
legitimate, mostly legitimate reasons why we go to God for prayer. For some of us, we need a miracle because of, um, uh, because of hurt that we've experienced, and it's affected our emotions, our, our, um, our psychological state. We need God's miracle of healing, um, and that's very legitimate. For some, it's a physical healing uh, miracle that's needed. For some, it's, it's spiritual. It's more spiritual in nature. Uh, and for others, it's relational. There's broken relationships, and we're needing a miracle there. It might be a marriage. It might be a family member, um, something with parents, something with a friend. We need a miracle. Um, for others who are praying for miracles, it might have more to do with provision, thinking of like housing, for instance, or a job for some, um, for money, just to pay bills. There are people here in that situation that need a miracle. Um, some are praying for the miraculous provision on behalf of others, uh, family members, friends, co-workers. And others are praying for big you know, world-scale kind of miracles. They're praying for global concerns, like climate change, um, like famine throughout the world, um, for an end to war, um, for praying to an end to violence that is racially motivated, even within our own country. And so we're praying these kinds of prayers, too, and it feels like we're praying for a miracle. I hope that you, like me, will not give up praying, asking God to do only what he can do in our lives, in the lives of our family members, in the lives of our friends, and in our world. I hope that we will not grow weary of swinging our proverbial bat in faith. So as we pray... We need to remain open to God, also working through natural means. This is the final thing I'm going to say. Um, God can work powerfully through counselors, through psychiatrists, through doctors, medicine, through friends, and through family members. We don't want to rule that out as a way that God is going to work even miraculously. We need to be open to that. God works miraculously both through the natural and through the supernatural, the more spectacular. Um, and when possible, we should pursue both. There's wisdom in this. A uh, mere hundred years ago, as a diabetic, um, you know, I would have had a very short life, and it would have been an awful life. Um, for me, synthetically produced insulin is like a miraculous provision from God. Because I think that it was God's wisdom um, and, and, and his unfolding knowledge to hard-working scientists and doctors that have made this possible for us to live healthy and normal lives. Is it a miracle that I'm still here today? Okay, I'll answer the question. Um, I say yes, it is a miracle that I'm here today. And for this, I rejoice in God my Savior and God my healer. 
When God speaks, we should pay attention to what he has to say and what he may want to do. And uh, so this is the reason why we're not changing the subject. So um, like we always do at the end of the service, we're going to provide a chance for people to receive prayer. And this is an opportunity for us, if you will, to go to bat for those who are needing something from God. And uh, so we're going to do that uh, at the end of the service. So if there's a way that you would want someone to go to bat for you and to pray for you in the name of Jesus, um, uh, I'll give you instructions at the end of the service to know what to do. But for now, are we ready? Uh, Are we ready? Some of you um, are going to charge the mic because you've got a testimony you cannot wait to share. Okay, why are we going to do it this way? I just need to be really clear. Um, So we stream the service. We have a lot of people that are watching this online live and people that are going to be watching the service later. We don't want them to miss out. Um, And so uh, we're going to be inviting you to come down. Aaron's going to stand right with you. So you're not going to stand up here alone because I know this can be a little difficult for some people. He's going to stand with you. He might even hold the mic. And this is the reason so that this camera right here can get capture you and also so that we have a good audio. Does that, does that all make sense? That's the reason why we're doing it this way. Now, for those of you, if you can still see me, that are um, watching us online, um, you get to participate in this too. We're inviting you to type up a testimony. You're probably going to want to keep it brief. Uh, brief. And then um, it's going to pop up on the screen. And if you give me permission... Uh, I'll read it so that everybody here can, uh, can hear your uh, testimony of a way in which you've seen God work miraculously. Um, okay. This is the fun part. Let's share with one another ways that we've seen God work miraculously. Why? To encourage one another, to remind each other. God's ability to do exceedingly far beyond what we could ever think or imagine or ask for. This is your cue to begin coming on down. Come on down. Oh, Danny's going to go first. For those who don't know me, um, I live in a nursing home um, because of my uh, physical um, I have what you call Addison's. What, what is Addison's is when you have adrenal glands. Mine's been taken out because I had cancer. Even that is a miracle right there. But, um, but my miracle was there's a lot of things in my own life um, it was miracles after miracles, but my nearest one is anybody had a boil, they are painful. Um, I just had one on my groin, which is very sensitive. Um, the infection of it, I had an antibiotic. Um, they took out the, um, the infection, and 
the only thing is left is the stem, which is the core. Um, I wanted to have an operation, which is one of many I had in my past, um, to take that out. Otherwise, it will grow back in. No, no, no. I don't want a second boil when I had the first one. So I had an, uh, scheduled to be operated on this that past Friday, and the doctor prepared me, get my IV and everything out, check my blood sugar because I'm also diabetic, like Glenn is. My, um, the surgeon came in to check the spot. The spot where the boil was was size of a quarter. And after the biotic, um, the the swelling went down, but the boil, the st core of the boil was still there. Um, after a while, the doctor came in to check where the spot was, and they couldn't find it. It disappeared. And I felt it trying to figure out where it was. God healed it. So I give God the glory for that. He's an amazing God. And we all serve him. Thank you, Danny. Um, I've got one. Uh, so I, uh, for many of you, you know, I own a, a business <coughs> in Canton. Summers can be challenging. We do a lot of business with college students. And uh, we were coming up against the wire uh, financially. Uh, and then... We've had some financial transitions in our home as well, so there's some financial stuff there as well, and I was just like, ooh, nothing gets under my skin like uh, bills coming due and not having money to pay it. I don't know about you guys, um, but that, that really bothers me. Um, and so I'd been praying uh, this week, and I think we prayed in our staff meeting, that uh, that there would be just amazing provision. Um, some of you may also know I had an event this weekend, uh, which I was running events Friday night, all day Saturday. We've got events going all day today. And so it's been a full weekend for me. But Friday and Saturday, uh, we were balancing after Friday and Saturday's events. And, I mean, it was the, the most money we'd seen come in from one of these event weekends since, like, before COVID, in two days, not three. And so they're still going today, but that was like, I was just on my way home just thanking God. Wow. It, it's very practical, but it was so needed. And it's not a coincidence that we did more in transactions in two days than we'd seen in three in, like, five years. So... Thank you, Lord. Um, 
So uh, many of you know I'm a, a farmer, and uh, I really appreciated Dave Coles' message last week about uh, providence and feel like farming is an exercise yeah. in relying on God's providence. Um, but the miracle I would like to share about is uh, this spring. You know, springtime is always stressful on the farm, and you have a lot of work coming up that you need to get done. And many of you know that finding employees is really difficult uh, for businesses at this uh, these days. So I was really worried about uh, truck drivers and how, how am I going to have enough truck drivers to get all the work done this spring? And uh, you know, I I didn't I thought I need to advertise, but I. I didn't uh, do much advertising because people just started showing up. And people, like, different, I, I ended up with actually more truck drivers this spring than I needed. And, uh, you know, great guys to work with and just uh, really uh, uh, beautiful people to work with. So I, I praise God for that. It was a miracle that uh, really uh, blessed us. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I uh, had a daughter when she was four years old come down with psoriasis. And we took her to doctors, and they all said, we've never seen anything like this in such a young child. She was covered from head to foot, groin everywhere. Uh, just told, if you've known what they're like, just welts all over. And... Uh, they gave us solutions. They gave us, uh, she had to have tar baths. She had to spend a half, about 20 minutes on one side of a lamp, 20 on another daily. When she went to go in kindergarten, all the kids made fun of her. She'd come home crying all the time. We, we would get dresses for her way down to her hands and as far down on her feet as we could get them <coughs> to take it away. And one night I got in bed and I, I said, and I was a fairly new Christian. And up until then, I didn't believe in these big miracles. And somehow I thought a lot of it had to be fake. There's no way a Catherine Kuhlman on TV could say, up in row 13, seat 8, you're blind, but God would heal you right now. And this person jumps up and says, I can see. And I'm going like, oh. No way, that can't be. And then uh, they come up on stage in a wheelchair, and she would say, put her hand on them, pray a simple prayer, and say, rise up, get up, run across the stage. And they would. Like, no way, come on. I wasn't, I was a doubting Thomas, and uh, but my daughter, I, I decided I was going to pray for a big miracle that she would be healed. So I got in bed. And I start lay down and I started praying. And I don't know if you've ever had God speak to you pretty directly, but he was speaking to me and he said, I hear your prayer, but I want you to get down on your knees and pray. And I'm arguing with God, why do I have to get on my knees? I'm praying, You can't you hear it? And uh, he said to me very distinctly, do you love your daughter? And I did. So I got on my knees, and then he said, that's fine. Now I want you to get on your knees before, right beside her bed and pray for her. And so I said, God, I'm on my knees praying now. Why do I have to do that? Do you love your daughter? 
I do. So I got up, went into the bedroom, and kneeled beside her in the middle of the night. And uh, he said, now put your hand on her and pray. Up until then, I thought that was kind of spooky, you know, to do something like that. And so I'm arguing with God again, and of course I got the same answer. Don't you love your daughter? I do. So I put my hand on her, and I prayed a very simple God-Father type of prayer. And I went back, and I felt really relieved. I felt good. But then I, as I'm laying there, I thought, what if I get up in the morning and she's not healed? What will that do to my faith? So I got up in the morning. I went into her bedroom, and I said, Lori, get out of bed. And immediately I looked in her hair, and it, there wasn't a scab, nothing on her head. Totally healed. Impossible. And so she used to wear my little T-shirt, my big T-shirts. And I would start raising the T-shirt up, and every blotch was gone. Totally healed. No more tar solutions, no more lamps. We gave short dresses she could wear to school. But then Satan got after me and said, well, psoriasis sometimes goes, but it comes back again. That was 60 years ago. <laughs> well, 58, actually. And she still doesn't have psoriasis to this day. I got two more, so one, then another, and then we'll keep going. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me all right? So I was sick for 12 years. Um, I couldn't get out of bed some days, couldn't even go to the bathroom, couldn't, nothing. I had to keep a box of straws next to my bed because I couldn't sit up to drink. And uh, last spring, I, I had a vision from God of me standing up front at church, had an altar call with ladies with their hands on me. And I said, okay, well, if that's what you want me to do. And the following Sunday, there was an altar call for healing. And I went up, and ladies asked if they could put their hands on me. And I said yes, and they prayed for me. And, uh, and I had a big doctor's appointment that, that following week with uh, lots of big, scary, painful tests and all that jazz. And uh, so they were praying for me for healing, for comfort, for emotional strength, all that. And uh, the following week, I went to the doctor, and uh, she, she was looking. She was doing the examination. She was looking at the monitor. She said, everything looks good. Everything looks clean. I don't understand this. So she, she took some blood exams just to make sure, and everything was gone. Everything was gone. And she, the things that she was looking for were gone. The things that she knew should be there were gone. And um, I, she, she switched my medication. And after years of trying different medications, she switched it one more time. I've been symptom-free for over a year. Yeah. And, and for those of you who are waiting for that big, huge healing, I, for that big, huge miracle, in the meantime, I had plenty of miracles for 12 years, plenty that I was just picking up. Um, for some days, you know, like I said, I, I had to have my mom help me to get to the bathroom. Mom, you're amazing. Thank you. 
And uh, some days I would pray and I'd say, please, God, just help me. And it would lift. And I could get there. I could do the thing. I could take a shower, a whole shower. I could go back to bed and just rest. So count on God for those little miracles. Count on him to get you through those day-to-day-to-day struggles. He will help you if you ask him. Thank you. Well, told some of you this story, but uh, try and condense it a little. Uh, about ten years back, my uh, mom was in a car wreck. Um, bad news was uh, head-on collision, about fifty miles an hour, completely obliterated her car. She managed to walk away with you know a couple bruises and a broken leg. Interesting thing about that, though, she never saw the car coming. And yet the brakes were applied. And my mom, well, immensely strong woman was not necessarily strong physically. And it was very much physically impossible for to, her to have applied the brakes to the degree that they were. Had she not, it would have been driver's side impact and, well, bye-bye, Ma. To this day, I'm pretty sure that God saved her. There's lots of other stuff about that story, but in essence, someone else applied the brakes for her. You don't want to cut anyone off. Uh, We could go on and on, I'm sure. Um, uh, Aaron is going to... um, introduce communion to us it's just going to be our opportunity to respond the musicians can come up and um yeah i'm just gonna pray and and then hand it over to aaron god we give you praise and glory uh, for the ways in which you work i'm i'm just conscious of the fact that i think we're all breathing (laughs) right now and And we want to say thank you, God, for every breath. Um, Father, thank you for uh, the food that we had this morning. God, thank you for the provision of this shelter, this building. Uh, Father, thank you for friends and for family. Jesus, we've come together this morning to say a special thanks to you for making our lives possible. And not just our physical lives, but giving us a spiritual life, which is alive in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for being so willing to forgive us of our own transgressions, our own wayward ways, our own sin, my own pride and destructive ways of living. God, thank you for rescuing me and us and Jesus we pray that if anyone is here who has not yet fully responded as an adult to your love and to your grace and your mercy through Jesus God that they would receive as that one man said the greatest gift of all the 
gift of eternal life. So God, we, we, we would pray for that gift to be given today as well as we pray, Father, that you would um, do what only you can do in our lives as we continue to surrender ourselves to you here at the communion table and in worship and as we go forth. God, uh, thank you for your incredible work. We give you praise and glory and rejoice in Jesus' name.